Well, welcome to Chase Oaks Church. Whether you are here in the room or you are online uh, right now, wherever you are, really glad you're here as we are in this series called On Your Mark. And the idea of the series is like the Bible says in Hebrews 12, it uses this image a lot, but one place is it compares life to a race. And, he's, and, and the writer of the Hebrews says, hey, run the race with endurance that God has put in front of you. That God has laid out a race for each one of us. You have your race. I have mine. Uh, all of us have an overall, overall purpose to live into and a unique way to do that, a unique calling. And that's what we're talking about in this series and also what the repurpose class is about as well. Now, last week we talked about overall purpose. And so if you missed that, let me encourage you to go back and watch or listen uh, to that. Uh, because you and I will never find our purpose in ourself. That's what we're told in America and all that. It's within. And, but self is far too small a center to build a great life around. And God calls us to find our purpose in him. He created us with a purpose. He invites us to join him as he's working out his purposes in the world. Today, we're going to get more specific. Looking at the reality, the incredible reality, that God thought about you when he created you. You're not random. He designed you. He designed you for something. And all of us, therefore, have a unique calling, a unique race, a unique way of expressing God's purposes. And as you can imagine, if you and I can know and live into our calling, then life will be that much more fruitful, productive, joyful, that kind of thing. I, I, was, uh, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with one of my best friends. I was uh, driving from Colorado uh, to here. And, uh, and it was just beautiful. The sun was just coming up. In fact, here it is. Here was a, this is a picture of that moment right there, uh, from my car. And, uh, and you see more of my car than you do the environment. I'm not the best photographer in the world, but, uh, but it was, uh, it just, it was just beautiful. And, and so I said to my friend who was in the passenger seat, I said, you know, isn't it amazing how God, our creator, made the world so beautiful? He didn't have to make it this way. But how glorious, right, that we can we can be in, in the in the world that he created and to see his beauty. And and uh, and I could tell that he was really tracking with me. Um, in fact, here's a picture of my friend in that moment. Uh, you can go ahead and show that. Um, it was Chewy. And, and he was really he's really paying attention. Now, as a communicator, you know, when people are paying attention, you guys are doing OK. But he was really like zeroed in and he really was. And so as I'm talking, you know, to him, I, I just continue the conversation. I said, you know, Chewie, you and I have the same creator. He created you. He created me. And God knows you. And God knows me. And God created you with a purpose. And he created me with a purpose. And Chewie, you fulfill your purpose really well. Like you're just a great dog. And my prayer is that I can fulfill my purpose as a human. Just as well as you do as a dog. Now, he didn't say much back, but I could tell he was he was tracking. But that reality is reality. That God created you with a purpose. He created you with something in mind. He thought about you before you were born. There is a, a design, a calling for you and me to live into. And wouldn't it be great to know what that was? Like if God would just tell us. And there are some people in the Bible where God did just that. Moses, he didn't have to guess what his calling was. 
you're going to lead my people, you know, through, you know, to, away from slavery in Egypt toward the promised land. He knew his calling. He knew his purpose. I remember when I was a teenager, I was really inspired by a teenager in the Bible where God said, this is your calling. It was Jeremiah in the Old Testament, this Old Testament prophet, where God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and pointed you as a prophet to the nations. And as a teenager myself, and some of you are teenagers or younger, it was, uh, it was a, a kind of a huge encouragement to me to say, man, don't wait to fulfill your calling. I mean, Jeremiah was probably 15 years old. And he said, Jeremiah, before I knew you, I set you apart as a prophet to the nations and I'm going to use you. And Jeremiah says, I'm too young. And God says, don't say that because I'm going to be with you. And that set me on a course of saying, man, I just want to find and fulfill my calling and my purpose. There's another guy in the Bible where God told him. And we're going to look at some of these passages to see the power of knowing our calling and living into them to motivate us, to help us make decisions. And we know a lot about Paul because he wrote so much of the Bible. He wrote so much of the New Testament and he talks about his unique calling. And again, the whole idea is to help us begin to understand our unique calling and the power of knowing that and living into that. But if you may know a little bit about Paul's journey and Paul's life, but if not, let me catch you up. So he, before he was a Christian, he was a leader in Judaism. Christianity came out of Judaism in Israel and, and he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the one promised in prophecy and all that. He believed that was a hoax. And he hated the idea, but he wanted it stamped out as a Pharisee and a Jewish leader at, at the time, 2,000 years ago. So he uh, arranges and is kind of the chief persecutor of the church in the early days of the church. And there's some people that are killed. Uh, there's a lot of people who are imprisoned and whose lives are disrupted and who have to scatter around everywhere and leave their families and businesses and jobs and all that. And he's right in the middle of it. And then on the way to Syria, another country, to arrest some people there and cause problems there, he meets the resurrected Jesus. Jesus appears to him. And if that happened to you and you weren't a believer, you'd become one. And he became one. And shortly after that, actually around the same time, God communicates with another New Testament leader that he wants to help Paul kind of get into the church and start his ministry. And here's what he says, what God says to that guy, Ananias. He says, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. That means the nations outside of Israel and to kings as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Paul had a unique calling to take the good news of Jesus, how God has sent Jesus in the world so we could have a relationship with him and all that in, in the world that didn't know that. And he would be the greatest proponent, the first great missionary. And that's what he's saying. That's your calling. That's, it's not going to be easy. He's going to suffer, but it's going to be a great calling. Paul certainly owned that. Here's how he talks about it to the Galatian church. He says, you know what it was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, I want you to Key in on the phrase, even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Sounds like Jeremiah, right? Before you were even born, I knew you. I'd already appointed you to something. Same with Paul. 
Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles, to the nations, to people who didn't know about Jesus yet. That was his calling. He's a missionary. And people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. He's just saying, hey, how cool that God would use somebody like me to become the greatest proponent of Christianity. And that was his calling, was to take the message of Jesus to people who had no clue about Jesus. And that calling helped him make every decision that he made in terms of his resources, his time, uh, what he said yes to, what he said no to. And that's what, for any of us, when we're clear about our calling, it helps us make decisions. It helps us understand how am I going to maximize my life? How am I going to spend my time? What am I going to say yes to? What am I going to say no to? And you hear that in, in Paul as he has different opportunities and challenges. For example, one of those is in... Is in Acts 20, which is a part of the book of Acts where Paul, who started all these churches and done all this cool stuff, believes God is calling him to go to Jerusalem. But has revealed to him every every on the way to Jerusalem, everywhere he stops, there's these people that get these prophecies from God that if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested. He's going to suffer. It's going to be really hard. But he believes for the mission. That's what God's called him to do. So he meets with the elder group, the leaders of a church that he started in Ephesus on the way. And here's what he says to them. And now I am bound by the spirit. That's God, the Holy Spirit, to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He's saying, hey, I'm not here to be comfortable. I'm not here just to live life. I'm here to fulfill a calling, and my calling is to take Jesus where nobody knows about Jesus, and I believe this has something to do with that. And okay, this may be really difficult and tough, and everybody's warning me, but he kind of tells the leaders, back off and stop doing that. Don't make it hard for me, because this is what God is calling me to do. There's another time. Actually, it's the book of Romans. The book of Romans, read it. It's, I think, the most profound book in the Bible, in my opinion. It's an incredible book of the Bible. Well, one of the reasons Paul writes Romans is because they were hurt by him. Um, I don't know if you have people in your life that, you know, get upset with you because you don't call them enough or you don't visit them enough or whatever, right? We probably all have somebody like that. And that was the Roman church for Paul. That's not a church that he started. Somebody else had started the Roman church. He had never gone there. And they kept wanting them to go there. And wanting, he knew a lot of people there. They kept wanting to go there. And he even, he even told him that he was coming. And then he had to change his plans. And they got really offended by it. And so in the first part of the book of Romans, he is writing to say, oh, I know you think I'm wishy-washy and all this stuff. But, you know, he's trying to explain it. And then at the end of Romans, he comes back. And just listen to how he makes decisions. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. He's a pioneer missionary. He's an entrepreneur. He's not like me. I mean, I've been here since, in this church, since 1989. And, you know, it's 30, 40 years. Paul Paul would not do that. Like, Paul would start a church and move on, start another one, move on, start another one. Because he had, I have a different calling than him. He has a different calling than me. So he's like, my job isn't to hang out with Christians. My job is to go where Jesus isn't yet. Or people don't know about him yet. I've been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says those who've never been told about him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long 
because I've been preaching in these places. Meaning, I can't just come and hang out with you because I have a calling to take Jesus to places that don't know about him and you already know about him. It's kind of like years ago when I became the uh, lead pastor here. Um, I, this was 20 years ago, actually. And I, I, I decided to get to know some of our key missionaries that we support. And so I was reaching out to them and we were kind of evaluating all our global focus and all that at the time, too. And so I, I, I got word that one of our missionaries that we we paid like half his salary. So it wasn't just a token commitment that we had. We paid half his salary and expenses and stuff in honor to. He's great. And uh, but I didn't know him very well. And I heard that he was in Dallas. And so I called him and said, hey, I I hear you're in Dallas and I'd really like to talk with you. I'd really like to hear what's going on. And, uh, and here's what he said. He said, man, I would love that too, but I'm going to have to say no because I'm in Dallas for just a couple days and I've really filled it up with people in Dallas that I know who don't know Jesus. They're not Christians. And I really want to hang out with them because they don't know Jesus. And it, and I mean, they're not going to heaven and you are. And so I'd rather spend time with them because you and I can spend all eternity together. We can, we can go on a 20-year walk in heaven if we want later. So why don't we take a rain check? Why don't we hang out in heaven and you let me hang out with people who, you know, really want to go to heaven and who don't know Jesus yet? And, uh, and is that okay with you? And my first, inst- my first little thought, I was a little wounded like the Romans were. We're like, we pay half your salary. Um, we don't have to. But we do, you know, but, but as I, you know, in the moment, you know, you just think, oh, wow, that's really cool. Right. I mean, he, and, uh, and yeah, we can, we can hang out and all that kind of, and we did talk on the phone and I got caught up and that kind of stuff. But that's kind of what Paul's saying is like him, his name's Jim Peterson, but like him, he's a pioneer missionary. That's his calling. Paul is saying, man, I'd love to hang out with you, but. I'm going to say no because I've got to say yes to my calling. But then he continues the next verse. But now I've finished my work in these regions. And after all these long years of waiting, I'm eager to visit you. He always has been. And in planning to go to Spain. And when I do, I'll stop off in Rome. Because between where he was and Spain, where Jesus, the message of Jesus had not been taken. It was the further reaches at the time of the Roman Empire. He's like, hey, between me and Spain is you. And so this will be cool. I can stop off in Rome. And after I've enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. Now, I love this because he's saying, hey, you want me to come? I'm going to come. And not only that, uh, you're going to pay for my next mission trip, Um, which probably someone will be like, you know, we've we're good. You know, we haven't seen you this long. It's okay. I, I think they were excited about probably paying for the trip and being part of his ministry and stuff. But. But you, you hear I was saying yes and no, right? You hear the decision. Now, that's his calling. It's different than your calling, different than my calling. But he was a pioneer missionary. He's making decisions because that's his unique calling. It not only helped him make decisions, it's also what motivated him. It's what got him out of bed every day, excited to start the day. Not that it was easy. There were days that were really difficult and tough. And you read Second Corinthians, just read that book sometime. And you realize, yeah, his calling was not easy. But he was motivated every day to pursue it. In fact, here's here, here what he tells another church he started, the Corinthian church. He said, yet yeah, preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. Meaning everybody saying, oh, man, it's so amazing. You're doing all this stuff. We're so proud of you. And he's saying, don't be proud of me. 
I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I don't, if I didn't preach the good news. Another translation says, woe is me if I don't preach the good news. What he's saying there is, God put this on my heart. I can't help it. It's all I think about. It's what motivates me. It's what compels me. I can't help but do this. In fact, if I don't do that, woe is me. Meaning, I hate life if I can't do that. Like, this is just what I do. This is what motivates me. This is what gets me out of bed every day. And wouldn't it be great to have such a strong sense of calling that we can not only help us make decisions, but also is what motivated us to say, man, I can't, I can't wait to get to do what God's put me on this planet to do and to have that kind of clarity. And I think God wants that for us. I know God wants that for us. Because God didn't just think about Paul. He didn't just think about Jeremiah before he was born. We also know Psalm 139, another great passage to read sometime. God thought about you before you were born. And he designed you for something. He crafted you for something. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're God's handiwork. Like God custom made you. He custom designed you for something. That he prepared in advance for you to do. That in advance of him creating you and crafting you, he already had something in mind. He crafted you with some purpose in mind. And that's why if your mom, who I bet, I hope was a great mom, and and she maybe told you something like, you know, you can be anything you want to be. If you just put your mind to it, if you work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. And that sounds good, doesn't it? But it's delusional. It's not true. You can't be anything you want to be. There's a reason I'm not a power forward for the Mavericks. You know, and nobody ever thought about that, right? I'm not designed for that. I'm designed for something. And actually the truth, and by the way, moms should be delusional. That's a good thing, okay? Moms should think optimistically about their kids. But the truth about you and me is, is better than just you can be anything you want to be. It's God designed you not for anything, but for something. And you've been crafted for something. And how do we live into that? Because I think we could all imagine that, man, if we could live into our design and everybody's different, but if we could live into our thing, that life would be more fruitful, it would be more joyful, it would be more impactful, it would be more meaningful, and that's all true. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to talk today about how do we find our calling. And we're going to be, this is a 50,000 foot look in one, you know, talk about calling and the components of calling. The repurpose class on Sunday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night, depending on your campus, is, uh, is designed to go really deep into that. So that you'll walk out with hopefully a, a really clear sense of calling. And I think you will. And that's a six-week process to take this stuff much more concretely and much more deeply and to go through some assessment and to go through some stuff. And so I strongly encourage you to do that. And I hope you, you, know, hope you are doing it. But I just want to take a 50,000-foot look to say, hey, what... What does that mean? We say calling and and what are the components of calling and how could I begin to understand more deeply? And we're all on a continuum. Some of you right now are thinking, yeah, I don't have a clue. Others of you think, you know, I've lived long enough. I think I I think I know. Um, But none of us have the kind of clarity that we could have. Right. It's all a continuum. And it's also an opportunity to say, how aligned am I around that calling? And so let's think about it a little bit. Here's some of the components of calling. One of those is our gifts, strengths, abilities. 
that God is one of, part of our calling and part of the, God's design for us is that God gives us unique abilities, unique gifts, unique strengths. And the Bible talks a good bit about that. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter. Peter talks about it to that church. But I'm going to look at in the book of Romans again, Romans 12, where Paul says, For by the grace given me, so by grace he means his gift. Okay, so he's teaching. God's given him revelation. He's given him a teaching gift. He said, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, we don't know why, what that meant that they were thinking, some people were thinking too highly of themselves. It could be they thought they were gifted in areas that they weren't. It could be that they were using their gifts for themselves rather than to lift up others. We really don't know what was going on. But he's saying, hey, let's just think about yourself accurately. Some people here, maybe we need to hear, don't think so highly of yourself. Other people here might need to hear, don't think so lowly of yourself. You may not feel gifted. When God was handing out gifts in heaven, you may feel like you went to the bathroom and missed it or whatever. That's not true, right? Because that's what he says. For just as each of us has one body, he's using an illustration, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, like our body, right? We have different body parts and they all have a function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. Now, that we have different gifts, a really a, a more precise way to translate that would be a more southern way to translate that is, you know, is we all have. I guess y'all would be, but it's we. So uh, we all have different gifts. And because nobody gets left out, everybody's in the gifted and talented program. Isn't that great? We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. Encouraging, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. These are just examples. There's lots of gifts, lots of strengths. But you hear what he's saying, right? You've been given gifts and you've been given abilities and do that. He's not saying, hey, you've got that gift, do something else. Meaning focus your life as much as possible around your strengths, not so much your weaknesses. And over time, you learn that life works out better when you do. I remember, though, when I was like brand new, starting out serving God and doing ministry, um, I was a, I, I became an interim youth pastor when I was 18. Which, by the way, is way too young to become a youth pastor. Okay, I had no business doing that. But it was a unique circumstance in the church where I became a Christian in. And our youth pastor left. The church was going through a bunch of problems. And so they just said, Jeff, would you do it? And I was in college, just starting college. I was like, yeah. And so, and so we were on a mission trip and um, as a brand new youth pastor. And back then in doing youth ministry, um, which I had done that as a high school student too, led in our youth group a lot. But back then, I don't know if it's like that now with youth pastors, but you always learn how to play the guitar. That was like a prerequisite. Whether you knew the Bible or not, nobody cared, but you better learn how to play the guitar, right? And so um, I learned enough chords and stuff. to, And so I, I could sometimes lead worship, but I never really sing loud. And, um, and so we're, we're on a mission trip to inner city Chicago. Because when you're in, I grew up in Alabama, you got to go take Jesus to the Yankees, you know, up north, right? And so we're, we're in the inner cities, actually a really cool ministry called Inner City Impact there that works in, these are very gang-dominated neighborhoods and all that. And, and we were there for a couple of weeks. And so this is the culmination of this trip. And there's, I don't know, 60, 70 kids and uh, teenagers. And, and we're on this rooftop 
uh, in downtown Chicago looking down. And, and it was a beautiful night, summer night. And I, I walked us through the Last Supper, the last time that Jesus spent with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And, and it really was a meaningful time. And the way it was designed, the climax of the time is I got my guitar, I had everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. And a friend of mine had written a song inspired by that conversation. And I said, I'm just going to sing this song over you. And, and I want you to just hear it and, uh, and be with God and all this. Like, it's supposed to be this really big moment, right? So I start singing the song. And people start sort of convulsing. Like their heads start going, you know. And at first I'm thinking, so cool. The Holy Spirit is like, you know, moving. And this is amazing, you know, and this is so cool. Except then I started hearing noises. And you know what the noises sounded like? A lot like laughter. And uh, a lot like you. And, um, and so, and, and I was and then somebody blurted out, you sound just like Kermit the Frog. <clears throat> and then everybody said, that's exactly what I was thinking. You sound just like Kermit the Frog. Will you sing Rainbow Connection, please? And I, and I did. I sang what I knew. Of, that's the last time I've ever sung in public. I'll never do it again. Because we all have different gifts. And that's not one of them, right? At least for me. And, uh, and, and, but I do have gifts. And you do too. And, and, what he say, and the Bible is a strength-based ethic. It's not a weakness-based ethic. We, we, we get hung up on our weaknesses, all the stuff we can't do. Because I don't care about what you can't do. I, I care about what you can do. Like, I've given you gifts and abilities, and I want to empower you, and I want to use you. And each of us have different things to contribute. Each of us have different strengths. And when you and I live as much as possible, I mean, we, none of us are going to live 100% fully and just our gift. But if you and I can live as much as possible in our, in our profession and church and whatever, right? That actually doing what we're good at doing and letting others be good at doing what they do. I mean, there's only a couple things I'm good at. It's leading in a certain way and teaching. And that's about it. And I've had to learn over the years that that really is about it. And so I don't ever hardly think about our church budget and how to manage it. And you should say Amen. And uh, um, because we have people who are really great at that, who are de- I'm not detailed. I, you know, I, um, right. There's, that's just one. There's lots of examples, right? But you can imagine that if we can live in our strengths, life goes better. Gallup did a study and they also uh, took over the strengths finders thing, you know, so they have that helping people find their strengths. So Gallup does this study. In, I think it was in 2020. Of American workers. And what they found, this massive study, is that 70% of people hate their job. 70% of Americans said, I I hate my job. That's a lot. But then you start to see why. So because as as people who got uh, knowledgeable about gifts and strengths with StrengthsFinder, and these are thousands of people, but they said, okay, now that you know a little bit more about your strengths, how many of you put your strengths to work? Every day on the job, 17% said, I put my strengths to work every day on the job. 17%. Now, none of us are going to get a job where you 100% do only what you want to do and what you're good at. That doesn't exist. But it needs to be better than 17%. Right? And, and so what does it mean to, well, let's learn our strengths and live into our strengths. 
And by the way, those of you who are parents, one of, your, one of the great privileges of being a parent, and one of the things I hope you're focused on, and if not, let's focus on it, is, is our kids understanding their strengths. And, and it's easy to pick on weaknesses because we don't like our kids to have weaknesses. You get the report card, they get a bad grade on that or whatever. And I get you want to get certain grades. But the most important thing is not what they do poorly. It's actually what they do best. And, and helping them understand, hey, you know what? You're pretty amazing at this. I think God might be wanting to do something with that because that's a, that's a unique gift. That's a unique strength. And God doesn't give strengths just for us. He gives it for others and for what he's doing in the world. And what do you think God might want to do through that strength? Because that's an amazing strength. We should be having those conversations with our kids all the time. And I'm, I'm a parent of, a kid, of kids who were in their 20s and now 30. And it's still a conversation I need to be having with my kids. Right? So that we, we need other people to help us see that. So that's our gifts. Another part, another component of calling is passion. And I don't mean like a romance novel. I mean what we care deeply about. You know, one way to say it is what breaks your heart. Some of you, there's certain causes, certain people groups, certain issues in our culture, that, in our world that just break your heart. Pay attention to that. It's not going to break everybody's heart the same way. Don't get frustrated with them because God's put something else on their heart. You just, but there's something that God has put on your heart. Or it may be something, it may not be a problem or something that breaks your heart. It may be just an opportunity. It may be a people group. It may be a vision that you just have that get, and pay attention to that. It's like Paul saying, you know, when he talked about himself, how terrible for me if I don't preach. Meaning there was an inner drive in him, a passion to share with people who don't know Jesus as a missionary and go into a, a city and go into an area and start a church. That, that drove him, that passion. And these are people who don't know about Jesus. Somebody's got to do it. I've got to do it. <clears throat> that was his. We're going to start a series. The next series after this is on the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. It's an incredible story and an incredible book. But it all starts with a guy named Nehemiah, who is, as a Jewish person at the time, in captivity in Babylon and he hears about the condition of Jerusalem and what it's like for the people there in Israel uh, all those miles away. When he hears about it, he, can't, he just can't shake it. He's like, man, I, I've got to do something. I can't just stay. I've got to do something. And not everybody had that, but God put it on him. And God will put something on you too. Things that we care deeply about. Another one is experience. God has allowed experiences in your life and mine, good, bad, and ugly. And God, I think, wants to use all of it. And some of you have some unique opportunities. And you've had, you have some unique connections and some unique privileges and, and some unique background, which is awesome, that God wants to use for his purposes. That was part of Paul's deal. Paul had the best education of his day, and he applied it to God's purposes. But Paul also had some, as we saw, some experiences that were, you could say, disqualifying. He killed Christians. For being Christians. That, that's not generally what you put on your resume if you want to go be a pastor. But God used that as he talked about. God used that as part of his story. And God uses our successes, but also our failures. And some of you feel like you have things that disqualify you because of mistakes that you made or things that have happened in your life. 
But actually, it's the opposite. Those things that we think are disqualifying are often the very things that qualify us to minister to other people because we've been through what we've been through, even if it's a failure or negative or a struggle or whatever. Ryan will talk about that next week in the series, so I need to move on so I don't steal his thunder. But experience is part of it. And then placement. You know, I remember when I was, you know, I talked about when I was a teenager and that's when I really wanted to follow Christ and be used by him. And I remember praying prayers like, God, I'll go anywhere. If it's Africa, I'll go to Africa. I'll do, God, wherever you want me to go, I'm in. I want to go, which is great. I'm in it. And I think God, you know, smiled at that and, you know, kind of cute or whatever. But, um, and that's great. And I think it's easy for us to, God, I, I, okay, I'm, I'm in. I want to be used by you for your purposes. So God, you send me somewhere. I'm waiting. You send me. But that's not the way it works. The truth is God has already sent you somewhere. He may send you somewhere else and we should be ready and open and willing. But God has already actually placed you somewhere on purpose. It may, where you are right now in your school or your work or your family or whatever might feel random, but it's not. Here's what Paul tells the Corinthians who felt stuck and didn't feel like they could go and do everything. God, I I can't go serve God because I'm stuck here. And Paul says, no, you're not stuck. He says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. I'm not just picking on you. I'm telling you, these are people in tough situations. And he's saying, what may feel accidental to you, is not accidental. What may feel random to you is not. It's not an accident. It's an assignment. It's a placement. Doesn't mean you have to be there forever. But as long as you're there, ask God, God, why have you put me here? You know, why am I in this school? Why am I in this job? Why am I in this community? Why am I in this neighborhood? Why am I at this golf club? Why, whatever, wherever you are, it's an assignment, not an accident. It's just part of calling to say, man, I want to be faithful to live that out. So when you put all that together... All the components of calling. Some of you are pretty clear on some of that. And that's great. Some of you are not. And let me encourage you, especially if you're not super clear, go through repurposed. Have I said that enough? It's a really good thing. I mean, it's just so well done. And and I love what it does. And even if you think you're clear, it'll make you way more clear than you are right now. I can confidently say that. But then as we gain, start gaining clarity, I think today is a great opportunity to just stop and really evaluate and say, hey, how aligned is my life with a sense of calling and purpose? Because it's easy just to live life, get busy and all that, but just, hey, what is, am I really aligned with that, that calling and purpose? And some of you have some big decisions to make. And this will be an opportunity to talk to God about it and say, God, what, how does this align with calling? What would you call me to do? Some of you have little decisions to make of just how you're going to spend your week or how you're going to spend your time or what you're going to say yes or no to um, in some not huge way necessarily, but even little way. And just say, okay, God, I, I want to be able to answer that as a servant. I want to be open to whatever, but, but help me have a sense of calling. And wouldn't it be cool if we... Like Paul could say, you know what? I'm so compelled to do X, whatever that is. And woe is me if I don't get to do that. Because that's what gets me out of bed every day. Let's ask God to give us that kind of clarity. Let's just talk to him in prayer. In prayer, as I always say, just talking to God. And...
This was a moment in a busy life to just quiet our soul and to be in his presence. He's your father. He loves you. In fact, what Jesus said when he taught about prayer is he said, you know, when you start, just say, dad is our equivalent. Because if you know Jesus, he's your God is your father. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. And, and just say, father, dad. Would you give me a greater sense of clarity or maybe a greater sense of alignment, a greater sense of focus? God, would you help me encourage others in their calling too? And for some of you right now, you may be really discouraged because there are some things that have happened in your life that make you feel like you're just crossed off God's list and you're not. In fact, those things that you think cross you off the list, God can turn around and use it for glory like he did with Paul. Some of you right now, like Paul told the Galatians, don't grow weary in well-doing. You've been doing your calling, but you're just tired. And for you right now, it's really about perseverance. Of just hanging in there. You're discouraged, you're tired, whatever. Just say, God, I need your encouragement. I need your strength. God, I'm weak right now. I need your strength. Father, wherever we're coming from, would you help us walk more and more fully in the calling that you've laid out for us? And thank you that you don't push us out of the way to get your work done. You love to use messes like us to do your best stuff. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.